We're back. Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicles political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicles senior political writer, and I hope you and your family are healthy and safe. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about leadership during the coronavirus pandemic. Who's showing it? Who is it? My guest is my friend and calling at the Chronicle, John Diaz. He is the Chronicle's editorial page editor. And here's our conversation as we sit, not as we normally would in the Chronicle's podcast studio, but in our respective homes in Oakland and Alameda. I'm healthy. It's, uh, I have to say, it's uh, quite a transformation to be working remotely and being away from the clamor and collegiality and and complaining that you get in the newsroom. I know. I miss uh, stopping by your office to have a, a chat, uh, as, as we regularly do uh, uh, many times during the week. And uh, now I have to ask you another question, because we are both, of course, working from home right now. And uh, we are. Uh, and, and I ask you this in a professional way, but a question between two friends. What are you wearing? Well, Joe, I am not wearing a vest. <laughs> I'm not wearing a tie. I think by the time I get back to the office, I will have forgotten how to tie a tie. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm uh, I'm I'm just wearing a, a t-shirt and sweatpants and uh, and very comfortable. How about you, Joe? I, you got I the love, vest I, on? I, I I put on just for you today. I put on my podcasting vest. This week I've gone with the shirt. Uh, I've I've dressed up actually. I've gone. I've worn a shirt with a collar this week to try and get get into a more of a rhythm because I was uh, I was in the uh, t-shirt and sweats mode and I, uh, I I felt I need to bump up the game a little bit so we'll we'll see if that works um, all right let's on to, on to more political things because uh, nobody wants the, the they, well the listeners shake those images out of their heads uh, <laughs> I think it's going viral already Jim. yeah already all right or, or something um, okay you know, in crisis, which we are in right now, in the middle of a pandemic, some leaders step up, others shrink. Let's let's talk about some of the folks who are our leaders now and who have stepped up, who has stepped up and who has shrunk. Uh, I know you've been very critical of uh, President Trump during uh, uh, the last several weeks. What have we learned about President Trump and the way he leads in the la- over the last few weeks that we didn't already know? Well, one thing we've certainly learned is he uh, he whipsaws back and forth uh, between one one point or another, and uh, of course now he wants the narrative to be that suddenly he's gotten serious. He takes this seriously. In fact, now he's trying to claim that he uh, he had acted early on. But I have to say, there's a certain unsteadiness to the way he's been acting. That uh, uh, everything from talking about you know having some kind of quarantine lockdown on on the New York and surrounding states to then calling that off uh, there's been uh, he's been all over the map on on whether to shelter in place and stopping short of, of really providing leadership there uh, if if I could sum it up in a phrase I would say President Trump is leading from behind oh definitely and, and we see his influence uh, among some uh, other other governors, we, it was just on the day we're recording this. It was just today that uh, the governor of Georgia has uh, ordered a shelter in place, and he said that uh, he didn't know that asymptomatic people could uh, could transmit uh, coronavirus. So he said we didn't know that until the last twenty four hours. That's the governor of the state. It's amazing, uh, Joe, that. and uh, you, you have to think history is not going to be kind to uh, him or other governors or. 
Devin Nunez down in uh, oh, <laughs> down near Jordan Fresno, Bay. who continues to be in denial. Um, and I mean, how many weeks have we known about that asymptomatic people can can still transmit the the disease? That was the whole purpose behind this shelter in place. Uh, it's it's really it's really eye rolling. It's it's embarrassing. And the the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis. Uh, said uh, that, that what finally turned him around was seeing the president. He said, when you see the president up there and his demeanor the last couple of days, that's not necessarily how he's, uh, he always is. So he does have influence. It's not just uh, us complaining about the president or, or, or downing him. He does have influence. And in this case, his influence has deadly results. Yeah, in, in the past few days, Joe, it seems as if uh, the president has definitely looked looked at reality and, and not like what he's seen uh, because he certainly has changed changed tone and, frankly, you know, a certain amount of fear in his face as he's, especially a few days ago, when he started talking about the possibility of a hundred to 240,000 Americans dying. I mean, that's, that's really consequential. Yes, and he's uh, trying to, as you say, re- rewrite his own history because he was leading from behind on this early, and uh, you know, trying to downplay the results or, or trying to downplay the prospects of what this uh, virus could do. Let's uh, let's look to our own governor, Governor Newsom. Uh, he has, uh, I got to say, he's been he's been leading in front uh, on this in many ways. He uh, he was out front in ordering the state uh, to shut down, uh, and so far. Uh, the, the results uh, here in California are, are not as, as deadly as they could have been. They're still, of course, bad. What, how would you say that uh, a Newsom has uh, performed in, in, in the last uh, couple of months? Joe, I would use uh, two, two words to describe uh, uh, Gavin Newsom's performance during this, uh, or his leadership, I should say, during this. Uh, one is steadiness. He's really... Um, uh, he's really been a voice of calm, much as Andrew Cuomo has been in in the state of New York. Yeah. Uh, but the other is statesmanlike. Uh, I, I've been favorably impressed with the way he did not pick fights with, has not picked fights with uh, President Trump. Uh, realizing, uh, you know, what what is really in the interest of the state is to work with the federal government to, for all its flaws. Um, and and as you say, at least at this point, the the numbers are comparatively down in California, particularly compared to New York, obviously that can change. But if it does turn out that, that California comes out of this, not as, not as devastated as other parts of the country, I think Newsom's going to get a whole lot of credit for that. And he's been, uh, his, his briefings have been, uh, very interesting to watch total contrast. Andrew, Andrew Cuomo, as you mentioned, uh, Newsom, uh, as we know, he has dyslexia, so uh, he has to memorize all of these facts and figures, and he is rattling off the number of ventilators in the state. There's uh, 4,552 ventilators, and there's, uh, you know, like uh, like he wrote the other day, like he's talking, mentioning his kids' names. Uh, and he is, it, it's, I think it, at some level, that instills confidence in uh, folks who are watching these briefings. To say this guy is is on top of the details, he knows what's going on. Uh, this is we're seeing a different side of Newsom here. We you know we've both watched him for twenty odd years, and um, he is a, we've not seen him have to you know command 
different types of things going on at such a scale and, and, and to see him in crisis. We've seen him in crisis of his own creations, but not, not, not this, not something like this. Um, I, I gotta say it's, it's his, um, uh, I don't want to use a, a medical term here, but uh, his ability to, uh, to, to, uh, have many, many pots on the stove, should we say, sometimes he bounces from idea to idea and he doesn't really follow through. But in this case, that's kind of that, that quality is serving him well. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting, Joe, for, as, as we know, uh, following politics and public policy, sometimes those two seem to be at odds with each other. Like somebody who's too steeped in, in public policy, it becomes a negative politically. I think this, this, this pandemic is much different in that, uh, it's really rewarding the, uh, the leaders, uh, like a Gavin Newsom, like an Andrew Cuomo, who are really willing to dive deep into the weeds because I think that's reassuring for people to know uh, that the people who are in charge really know what they're talking about and are not just spinning, not just talking about how they're number one on Facebook or, oh, gee, they inherited a big problem, but somebody who's really trying to grab uh, an issue and 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 do something positive. I think it's been uh, it's been very interesting. It's been very instructive. You and I have seen that uh, that side of Gavin Newsom so many times over the years. Uh, his attention to detail, his sometimes uh, tendency to get mired in the details. Uh, but I think right now it's paying off for him. Yes, because people right now want answers. That's what they want. They don't. They don't want to hear about the politics. They don't want to hear about anything. They want answers. They want to know what do I do? What are you doing for me? And what's coming up next? You've also been a fan of, uh, of San Francisco Mayor London Breed in this. So how has she done, again, her first uh, uh, major sort of uh, a crisis? I mean, she's, of course, dealing with the uh, homelessness in San Francisco. She's dealing with the affordable housing shortage. Um, but this is you know, something that uh, is, is a big deal. How has she been doing uh, regarding the coronavirus? Well, Joe, in ter- terms of the crisis, uh, I think the coronavirus virus crisis, uh, she came out early and she came out strong, um, you know, with an order that a lot of a lot of places were still resisting. Uh, I think she did very well in that. I think she's done a good job of articulating uh, what the uh, need is for people to shelter in place and and what the potential uh, payoff would be. Uh, at the same time, this whole this is not going to end quickly for Mayor Breed. I mean, a lot, you know, we've we've sort of been really riding a wave of, of incredible economic prosperity in San Francisco. Um, right now, she's now looking at at budget shortfalls for the next two years, and and Lord knows what this is going to do to homelessness in San Francisco. Is as you know, these stimulus checks uh, may help in the very very short term, but twelve hundred dollars is not going to get too many people to the first of the month for rent. Oh my God! No, uh, only if you're sharing a place with five people. That's uh, that goes nowhere in San Francisco. We will have more of my conversation with John Diaz after this short break. Back to my conversation with John Diaz. The political campaign uh, has been uh, frozen. Uh, the the national political campaign, the presidential campaign. Um, has been frozen as as uh, as well as the the Senate races around the country, the uh, and the uh, the House races in particular. Um, so Joe Biden is trying to make himself heard. He's holding daily press conferences. He's built a 
uh, a studio essentially in his home, in his rec room, as he says. Uh, if you, I don't know if you if you watch any of these things. It's uh, it's it's kind of, it's the first couple were weird because it looked like it looked like I remember SCTV, uh, Second City Television, back in the day where it looked like you know cable access. Um, <laughs> I was going to uh, compare Joe. I was going to compare it to Wayne's World in terms of the <laughs> yes, production it, quality. It was Wayne's World. It was Wayne's World. He's, he's bumped up, bumped it up a little bit, um, but still, I mean, his challenge is that number one, a few people want to hear about uh, politics at this point, um, and he has no. A platform, yes, he's a former former vice president, but it's not like he's a senator, uh, again, a uh, member of Congress even, who can say, well, here's what I'm proposing. Here's what I'd like to talk about. He, he, he can say, well, the president isn't doing this well, but there's a fine line. And he's, you know, uh, as, as someone who's been in politics a long time, he doesn't want to, he, he does observe some sort of decorum where you don't, uh, you know, basically you don't piss on the leader at, at a time of crisis. Um, so, what is? How do you think he's doing now? At uh, with with given the given the hand that he's dealt, I mean, could he be um, could he be doing something different here? Well, there's no question. This has not been good for Joe Biden. First of all, uh, it, he went into this period having a great deal of momentum, uh, and and that's obviously uh, been lost. Uh, people do tend to rally around their president uh, in times of of war or crisis. And and we've seen that in the approval ratings for President Trump's performance. Um, and and the other thing, Joe, this is really not Joe Biden's um, strong suit. You know, certainly if there were a foreign policy crisis as opposed to a health crisis, a pandemic, uh, that would be something that, you know, Joe has a lot of expertise and background from. And people might say, yeah, we really should have uh, uh, Joe Biden in there. Uh, he really has been to a great extent sidelined. All that may well change between now and um, in November. Uh, I suspect one way or another, and I can't predict uh, what the economy is going to look like, what the uh, health situation is going to look like. Uh, but I have to think this is going to be the dominant issue in the November elections, uh, President Trump's performance and, and what to do uh, going forward. And uh, the um, I've talked to, don- to uh, folks who are uh, rounding up the donors, major donors, uh, fundraisers, and they are saying that they believe that he will have the money to compete with the president Trump in the fall, should he be the nominee? It's still not a uh, officially a done deal. Um, uh, and now the convention we've learned today, as we're recording this, that the uh, democratic national convention pushed back to August 17th. I think that that may, that's not good. You know, if it actually does still come off there as a in-person convention, um, that's, that will hurt Biden too. This I've never has there been a candidate or certainly not in a while that needed the, 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 the big pep rally that, a, that a national convention is. He needs so many people are voting for Joe Biden because they think he can win. There's not a lot of, you know, uh, love for Joe Biden himself. You know, there's a nice affection, but among Democrats, but he needs the pep rally. And he's not going to get that pep rally now until August seventeenth, and that's 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 tough. Um, what do you think? I mean, do, is it, is is that does that affect him at all, or you know, having the, the convention so late? Well, what's really that going to be the determinant factor there, Joe, is um, what the economy looks like, and uh, whether whether we're still sheltering and and or social distancing um, when it comes to 
to late August. I mean, it's really hard to say right now. Um, it it'll be interesting to see um, if 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 it, if Biden really can find the way to make Trump's uh, leadership in the coronavirus crisis uh, an issue. One thing you know, I I've, I've been kind of thinking, speculating out who might be a vice presidential candidate who could help him in that regard. Certainly, Cuomo or Newsom could at the same time. Uh, he's pretty much ruled out. He's vowed that he wants to pick a woman, which uh, makes me think that uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer of Michigan, for a couple reasons, may be uh, her stock may be rising uh, pretty rapidly. And why do you think uh, Whitmer? What what is it about her that you like uh, over uh, uh, a Kamala Harris or an Amy Klobuchar, who are the uh, uh, you know the in our in the deep stakes? <laughs> I love that word. Uh, <laughs> are uh, are usually ahead. Uh, um, in that, what what is it about Whitmer that you like? Well, there's a couple things, Joe. One one uh, clearly, Michigan is uh, is an important state, uh, and it's one that uh, uh, Democrats would dearly love to have in in 2020. And she could help in that regard. And also, she then she then can personify the issue of the coronavirus uh, pandemic, in that she had her struggles with President Trump in terms of getting the resources that she needs. I think that would, um, again, it, you know, there's a long way between now and, and, and August, but uh, I could see her stock rising. And do you think she would be day one ready as uh, that, that would, I'm sure that would be an issue for Republicans. She's a first term governor. I've actually interviewed her. She's, she's super sharp. I think, I believe she's a former attorney general there uh, in Michigan, uh, or was it, uh, she was definitely a leader in the, in the, uh, state legislature uh she has a funny story that she told me where uh when she entered the state legislature uh there were more uh men named john in the state legislature than women um but so she is uh but she's very sharp do you think she is day one ready well i would i would certainly compare her as more day one ready even not knowing a great deal about her than a Dan Quayle or a Sarah Palin. So, so yes. I'm not, I'm not you have, sure you have that set the bar low, but yes. <laughs> and, and let's not forget Dan Quayle was uh, elected vice president. Uh, That's true. Be- because I mean, the fact of the matter is people generally don't vote for uh, a vice president. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about it. Uh, those of us uh, who, who follow it uh, th- think it's probably a bigger deal than ultimately it is. Uh, but I think in this case, uh, picking a picking a, a governor from a a battleground state, and and also uh, picking someone who can really take on uh, Trump in a very uh, up close and personal way on his handling of this crisis uh, would would give w- would make her a worthy choice. Although others may emerge as well, and certainly there's a lot of good candidates uh, out there as well. Okay, let's talk about uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. He is still in the race. Uh, he has, uh, uh, before, as, as you alluded to earlier, he was not doing very well in the last several races. Bounces, uh, Biden was trouncing him in the last few primaries before uh, uh, the, we, got, we went on lockdown here. Um, uh, and he said he's, you know, he's, he's still in it. He, he's, he actually was, wants the uh, Wisconsin primary, which is going to be on uh, Tuesday, uh, to be pushed back. Right now, the governor of Wisconsin is going full steam ahead. They're actually letting people come to the polls and vote, although 
the number of absentee ballots. I think a million people there have requested them. Um, so what about Bernie? There are calls uh, quietly, quietly among some Democrats for him to get out because they don't want to, you know, uh, tick off the Bernie supporters and have them leave the party uh, or, or, or not leave the party, but not vote for uh, Biden should he be the nominee. What do you think Bernie Sanders should do at this point? Does he stay in? Does he does he represent the movement? Does he should he represent the values all the way to the convention or should he uh, return to his day job in the Senate? My feeling is that Bernie probably should have dropped out a few weeks ago after uh, the last uh, series of primaries in which he really did not perform well at all. Um, it probably becomes less critical right now because they're not actively campaigning, <laughs> not actively uh, taking on each other. There's no debates. Uh, but that that is certainly something that, um, uh, that Joe Biden is going to have to resolve between now and uh, and when he gets the nomination is how to how to motivate those Bernie supporters. Uh, because as you, as you note, a few of them may go for Trump as we saw in 2016. Yeah. Uh, 10%. But, but just as critical will be those who just don't vote, who, you know, shape, throw up their hands and say, well, this is, you know, the establishment. Another thing that's kind of interesting, Joe, uh, will be whether Bernie's issues have gained some resonance because of this crisis. Uh, suddenly, Medicare for all, which uh, you know, was was something that, in some ways, may have been his undoing. People may be taking a second look at that, particularly as more people become unemployed, and and some of those are going to have trouble uh, getting uh, health insurance. Uh, and the whole issue of socialism, which seemed so anathema to uh, to to centrist Democrats. I mean, what do we have with this bailout relief bill? Um, right. I mean, that's kind of like the, the definition of socialism. Uh, so maybe that doesn't seem quite so radical. So in some ways, uh, the issue, uh, although I can't imagine a scenario right now where, you know, Bernie Sanders comes back to win the nomination. I think his issues are going to get more attention than they otherwise would have because of this crisis. Yeah. So he so his that that is an outstanding question, whether his issues will last. I think I believe they will last beyond him. He's uh, certainly. Uh, set the table for the primary, even as we this presidential presidential campaign, the Democratic side, um, uh, for the issues that he championed in the last race, uh, some sort of relief from student debt or free college, uh, a, a wealth tax, uh, Medicare for all, making that a, a, a prominent uh, discussion in this campaign. So, uh, yeah, no, it, I'm really curious to see, because remember, he does not think of this as a campaign. This is a movement. And so do his followers, so uh, that you don't quit a movement. All right. I think, but will I see you later today? I, when I say see you, I will see you on our, uh, the Chronicle has been holding uh, Thirsty Thursdays on Zoom every uh, Thursday afternoon after work. Uh, will you be there uh, at the Thirsty Thursday holding a, uh, a cocktail, a beverage of your choice, your favorite beverage <laughs> online? And it will be an adult beverage, Joe. It uh, will be. <laughs> so I will be holding an adult <laughs> beverage as well. Those, uh, those are right. so interesting, kind of like the Hollywood Squares where you see uh, all of our colleagues up there. And uh, it's, uh, it's our, our way of, of socially connecting, even as we social distance. Yes, this week, last week, I did not show my picture. Uh, I was not camera ready, should we say? And uh, uh, this week, I will be, I will be, I will be showing my photo or my image there. Uh, so, uh, anyways, 
John, thank you so much for being on It's All Political again. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in person, my friend. Joe, it's always a pleasure. I'd like to thank you all for listening, and I hope you continue to stay healthy. I'd like to thank John Diaz for joining us today. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. And remember, no matter what you're wearing, it's all political. It's All Political is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Our executive editor is Audrey Cooper. Our theme music, our wonderful theme music that I love, it gets me jazzed up, is Cattle Call, written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Croson. Support It's All Political and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership. It's very easy. You just go to sfchronicle.com slash pod.